I'd like to take you back in time this morning. Easter Sunday. How many of you love Easter? Man, I do. I love Easter. I feel like I'm a little loud here. I'm sorry about that. Easter Sunday, April 1st, 1945. In the Pacific Theater of World War II. The Navy's 5th Fleet begins their largest bombardment effort to support troops. There are 180,000 American soldiers, Army, and Marines that have come ashore of an island known as Okinawa. It's not a big island, 500 square miles, and this island is the last stand before reaching the mainland of Japan. Japan's 32nd Army has 130 soldiers which were already dug in and waiting, ready for the Americans and an unknown number of conscripted people that were forced into service there on the island. The Americans expected that landing to be much like D-Day with losses five, maybe even 10,000 on the landing alone that day. So it was with a lot of expectation that the Americans landed on the shore of the island and found no resistance whatsoever. They literally just, they, they just came ashore of their own free will. In fact, one historian wrote that they could have literally just got out and swam and, and been completely safe. They, they, were, they were just, there was no resistance as they came ashore that morning. Not knowing it, the Imperial Army had intentionally instructed its troops not to fire on the Americans on their landing. But instead, they allowed the Americans to move forward inland into what was called their triangle defense. They were luring them into a trap. Once the Americans had reached shore, the Japanese battleship Yamato was sent as a surprise attack on the 5th Fleet. The objective was to damage the 5th Fleet in a surprise attack, then leaving the American troops on the island without any air support or defense whatsoever. The Japanese believed that in doing so, they would literally annihilate the American troops there on the island. But Allied subs spotted the Yamato. And the battleship was sunk before it could attack the 5th Fleet. The battle that ensued on Okinawa was the final and what was considered to be the bloodiest battle of World War II. The Japanese troops referred to it as the rain of steel because the steel was flying everywhere. During the battle for Okinawa, Americans suffered 49,000 casualties with 12,520 soldiers being killed in action there on the island. Fighting was fierce. Both sides knew that if the island was lost, the mainland of Japan would ultimately fall. 
One of the objectives for the American troops was a 400-foot cliff that was known as Hacksaw Ridge. Three and a half weeks into the campaign on Okinawa, the Americans began their assault on that ridge. The fighting, we're told, was brutal. It was close. It featured a great deal of hand-to-hand combat. The Americans, in order to ascend this incredible 400-foot cliff, had implemented a cargo net which stretched from the top of the ridge to the bottom of the ridge. And the Americans climbed it hand over hand, 400 feet, in order to reach the top, which is described as a great plateau. The Japanese were ready. They were dug in, not only just in holes, but literally an entire cave system underground there on top of that plateau. They were ready and they were waiting for the Americans to, to ascend that ridge and to come up and begin to fight them. The Americans got up to the top and they began to engage the Japanese and the fight was intense, it was fierce and the Americans began to take ground and it appeared as though the Americans were going to take the ridge and the Japanese unleashed an unbelievably devastating rain of artillery fire down on the Americans pushing them back all the way to the edge of the cliff and the soldiers literally began to to flee back down that cargo net that they had come up. Their commanding officers calling for them to, 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 to come back from the fray, to retreat from there, they said, fall back, fall back. The fighting was so incredibly intense. Captain Jack Glover was one of those officers that were instructing his troops to fall back. He himself was injured and left there on the plateau. The soldiers who could, getting down the cargo nets back to the bottom, leaving scores and scores of dead soldiers and as many as a hundred wounded there on the plateau right in the face of the enemy. But there was one young man that refused to retreat. He refused to leave those that were injured to be uncared for. He was a quiet, skinny, 26-year-old young man from Lynchburg, Virginia. He was a person of great faith and conviction. He was raised Seventh-day Adventist. I had to do a little bit of research because I had never heard this before, but the Seventh-day Adventists, their official position as a church was one of pacifism. They did not believe in taking up arms. They did not believe that God wanted them to kill others, even if it was in the act of defending your own country. They believed that that's not what God wanted for them, and this young man... He, he believed that and he took that to heart. And so he was someone that, that said, you know, I'm not going to uh, I'm not gonna take up arms. 
before joining the military, his job in the defense industry and his beliefs would have got him a deferment. He would have been able to not, not serve. He would have been able to stay home, but he believed that, that he couldn't do that, that he needed to do his best while others were there protecting our lives. He needed to be right beside them, protecting them and helping them. Because of his conviction, he was labeled a conscientious objector objector because he chose not to bear arms. But instead of seeking a deferment, he enlisted in the Army Medical Corps as a medic. As you can imagine, basic training for this young man was brutal. He suffered incredible insults, even abuse. But because of his faith, he refused to walk away. Although given opportunity, he refused to quit as well as refusing to take life. He even told his superiors that he wouldn't work on his Sabbath day. These things brought incredible threats and abuse on this young man, not only from his fellow soldiers, but also from his superiors they persecuted him for his faith. They sought to have him transferred out of the battalion. And I say all of that to bring us back to the fight that day on the island of Okinawa on Hacksaw Ridge. You see, he refused to retreat in the face of the enemy. And literally, without without the support of others from his unit, he was there on that ridge and he began to treat those who were wounded. Some eyewitnesses say that he would treat a soldier literally within eyesight of the enemy and yet would not leave. He did not abandon his troops that day. And after he would treat them, he would grab them and he would drag them back to the cargo net that was at the edge of the cliff. And once he got them there, he would tie a, a rope around them and he would lower them from that cliff 400 feet to the bottom where there were soldiers who were waiting for them that, that, and, and were totally surprised, but then would take them and, and they would take them to the medics where they could be treated. And when he would finish with one soldier, he would pull that rope back up again and he would go back out among the wounded and trying to avoid the Japanese that were there checking, looking for survivors. And he would say, Lord, just let me find one more. He prayed for these men and these were the same men that while he was in basic training, had persecuted him for his faith. They had mocked him. They had abused him. They had even beaten him. Thrown shoes at him while he prayed in his barracks. But he continued to search for them. He treated them, dragged them to the edge, lowered them down to safety. 
And that day, Private First Class Desmond Doss, alone, without firing a shot, saved 75 American lives on Hacksaw Ridge. He was awarded the Medal of Honor, the Purple Heart, and the Bronze Star for his valor. Now, I've come to realize that Memorial Day is a day that many Americans do not understand. They don't know what it's all about. You see, we get excited about Memorial Day because it's the beginning of summer, right? We get excited about Memorial Day because at least being from Wisconsin, it means bratwurst, okay? You can have an excuse to have bratwurst. That, that having Monday off of work is pretty good too, right? I mean, if you don't work on Monday, uh, and you normally work on Monday, it's a long weekend, and, and hey, you're like, this is good stuff, man. We're excited about that. And then we realize, oh yeah, there's something patriotic about Memorial Day. Memorial Day is a day that is specifically set aside for us to honor not those who have served, but those who have fallen in battle and lost their lives. It's very specific. I have discovered this week through some research by our team that there are, there are many that, that have served in our military that have, that have fought to defend our freedoms and they are uncomfortable receiving any attention on a day, on a weekend like Memorial Day, on a day like Memorial Day. They don't want to take any of the attention or the glory from those who have sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice of giving their lives in defense of their country. And so today... Because of what I've heard and what I've discovered, I want to, rather than have people stand or identify themselves, want to simply say this. For those of you that have served this country, those of you that have risked yourself by putting yourself under the leadership of our government, whether it's been in the army, whether it's been in the Air Force, whether it's been uh, in the Navy or the Air Force, the Marines, uh, maybe you've been in the Coast Guard, whatever it is, we as a nation are so grateful for what you have done. We cannot help it on a day like today to say thank you. Thank you for serving. You've served with honor. You've served with distinction. You were willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. Praise God that you did not have to, but you were willing to do so. We are a grateful nation. And we apologize on behalf of those who do not show gratitude. And we offer you our thanks. We understand that you love America. In his gospel, in John's gospel, Jesus taught 
about love. And he commanded you and I to love one another. John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. Jesus says this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friend. That's the picture. That's the picture of those that we celebrate on Memorial Day. And so as I was researching this story this week, there are some spiritual truths that just, just jumped out at me that I want to share with you in our time that we have left. The first one is this. I couldn't help but, but look at the, the idea of the law by the law. When we look at Desmond Doss, he could have used the, the law to avoid serving. Did you, did you realize that? It was the law that would allow him to not serve. But interestingly, there was a law passed in 1940 that would allow conscientious objectors to serve their country in active duty without carrying a weapon. They could serve in other ways, one of them being as a medic. So one law would have allowed him to defer, the other one allowed him to serve. It was the law that ultimately determined this. But interestingly, the law could not force Desmond Doss to do what he did that day on Hacksaw Ridge. While others retreated, he stayed and he rescued the wounded. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, Jesus said this, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus instinctively realized that there were those among the Jews that thought he was planning to abolish the law of Moses. And they were against him because they were purveyors of the law. So they thought Jesus was against them. And so they wanted nothing to do with him. In fact, that's why they ultimately sought to kill him. The book of Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Literally, the law requires that everything that is to be forgiven must be cleansed through blood. There must be blood that is shed. The law was put into place to draw man's attention to his sin. That's why we have the law of Moses, so that you and I are aware of our sin. When we look at the Ten Commandments, we realize, when we look through that, we realize, I, I, I can see that I have failed these Ten Commandments. I've broken them, therefore I have sinned. The law points out sin in our lives, but the law is powerless to fix sin inside of us. 
The law allowed for Desmond Doss to serve, but the law could not force him to do what he did. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. It says, for what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sinful offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus fulfilled the law by becoming the offering for our sin. It was all about the law. Number two, The phrase, just one more. Of the 75 men that Doss rescued that day, some of them were undoubtedly from his platoon. These were the men that had mocked him for his faith, for saying that he did not deserve to even be in the army. But in the moment of conflict, Doss did not hesitate to accompany men up Hacksaw Ridge. He did not, he, it, it didn't even, uh, didn't, wasn't even something that he thought I wouldn't do. And once there, he decided to stay, no matter what anyone else did. One of uh, those that wrote a documentary literally said that, that, that Dawson told, or that Doss told him, I was praying the whole time. I just kept praying, Lord, please help me get one more. What did Jesus say on the cross? As Jesus hung on the cross, looking out over those that were crucifying him, those that had found judgment against him, instead of saying, God, get them, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, Peter says this, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus didn't ask God that his executioners would get what they had coming to them. He didn't ask God that everyone that had sinned, this price that he had to pay with his own life, that all of us would get what we deserved. No, he he wanted us to come to God. I'm reminded of Paul's words that God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, before we had ever turned to Jesus, that Christ died for us. The Bible promises us that one day Jesus will return, amen? What do you think is holding Jesus back from returning? I believe it's this phrase. That God the Father is saying just one more. Just one. Just one more. And then when that one comes home and there's a celebration in heaven, God says just one more. Just one more. And he keeps sending his Holy Spirit out back into the battlefield of this world to rescue one more that would come home. Number three, no retreat. Once Doss and his company reached the summit of the 400-foot hill facing that rain of steel, as the Imperial Army unleashed the barrage of artillery fire, Doss's captain called out for retreat. He said, fall back, fall back. Doss was the only medic that was still in action. The others had been injured or killed in action. 
Instead of following the command of his captain, Doss stayed there with the wounded. The eyewitness accounts say that that Doss treated them right in sight of the enemy. That literally as he was treating them, the enemy was coming through looking for those that were wounded. And he would have to try to hide from them. I think of Jesus while he was in the garden with so much anxiety that literally as he prayed, he sweat great drops of blood. His prayer there, according to Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Even the mo- under the most severe pressure imaginable, Jesus did not retreat. Rather, he advanced into God's plan, and he willingly died for us. The Bible says that God will never leave you, that God will never forsake you. It says that Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and it doesn't matter, friend, how bad your battle gets he will never walk away from you he will never retreat it will never get so bad that God will not be with you it doesn't matter what you go through he's out there searching he's waiting for those that would call out to him for those that would open the door of their heart in the movie Hacksaw Ridge Private Doss is shown dragging his captain while the enemy is literally firing down on them. You and I were dead in our sins when Jesus came into the world. We could pick up no arms against the enemy. We could not defend ourselves. We were dead in our sin. And Jesus came into the world and he treated us with the heavenly antidote of God's Holy Spirit and he grabbed onto us and he drug us out of the miry clay, out of the pit, and he set our feet on the rock, the, 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 the old hymn says. Jesus has done that for us. He has called no retreat. He will not He will not. Re- retreat away from us, but he will continue to come back into the the fight and rescue more and more without retreat. It's the most daring rescue ever conceived. Number four, he was rejected. One of those that did interviews and, and, and wrote a documentary about Doss, said this. He just didn't fit into the army's model of what a good soldier would be. They viewed him as the weak link in their chain. He was a slacker. The prophet Isaiah revealed that Jesus would suffer rejection 750 years beforehand. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 53.3, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. The Apostle John confirms this rejection when speaking of Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 11, when he said he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. What does that mean? It means Jesus, who literally was the creator, 
of what happened here on earth, the one, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and nothing was made except that He made it. The one that created us came to us. We were his own because he created us, and the world did not receive him. It rejected him. But rejection didn't stop Jesus from reaching whosoever will. And there's a celebration in heaven when even one person's name is written in that book. Jesus suffered that rejection that you and I might be accepted by our Heavenly Father. Amen. And number five, thought to be dead. In battle days... After the Hacksaw Ridge incident, incident, you know what I mean, that battle, Doss was injured by a grenade. And those that were witnesses said that he treated himself. It was a, a leg injury as a result of a grenade that went off. And they said that he waited five hours to be evacuated, and then the unit that he was waiting to be evacuated by, they came under fire, and he kept insisting that others be taken before him, that others be treated before him. And he wound up walking five miles with this injury. And while he was walking, he was hit by a sniper in the arm, shattering his arm. And he used the butt of a rifle to create a sling. And he, in all of this confusion, they, they didn't know where he was, and there was a report that he had died. In fact, this, this was so pervasive that it actually reached his family in Virginia that he had died. And he had to write a letter to his family to convince them that he was actually still alive. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus says, I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I'm sure that the Doss family must have been relieved and overjoyed to find out that their brother, that their son, and their husband was still alive. Imagine the joy that they would have felt. Imagine Jesus' disciples when Jesus appears to them and says, I'm alive. Put your hand in my side. Touch my wounds and know that I am alive. Imagine the joy of a lost world that can still come to know Jesus as the Savior that is still alive. Amen? Carl Bentley was a man who served there on Okinawa. He was at Hacksaw Ridge and he said this. It's as if God had his hand on Doss's shoulder. It's the only explanation that I can give. Desmond Doss's bravery gave 75 men the opportunity to be saved. Jesus died once for all. Not for 75. For all. Think of that what Jesus has done for us.
1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, the Apostle Paul says this, By his power God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will, also, he will raise us also. Amen. So today, this weekend, it's Memorial Day weekend. Say, as a follower of Christ, what should I do? What can I do? Well, one, I think that we should all rejoice that Jesus made the ultimate rescue mission, right? That he rescued us. But as, as Americans, I believe that, that we can do things. We can display an American flag on our homes. We can attend parades. We can pause at 3 p.m. in the afternoon on Monday and we can reflect specifically on those that gave up their lives for our freedom in the service of our government. We can visit local memorials in honor of those who have fallen, and we can pray for our nation. Friends, our nation needs prayer because our nation needs Jesus desperately. We were founded on godly principles, but we certainly have strayed far from those. So on this Memorial Day, I tell you what, I am so grateful that we can gather, that we can proclaim the name of Jesus, and that right has been purchased for us in the blood of those that have served and given their lives. Would you stand with me? We're going to close our service. But before we do, I just want to pray. Just going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, we thank you for the joy that we have today. We thank you for the freedom that we have, the, the ability to gather, to lift up the name of Jesus, the ability to spend time with friends and family over the course of the weekend, to to uh, maybe on, on, on Monday, maybe to grill out and just enjoy uh, time with our family. Father, we thank you for those things, and we realize that those things, they, they have come to us as blessings by those that have sacrificed. I saw something uh, that said some gave, uh, some gave some, and some gave all. And Father, we're so grateful for those that have given some and those that have given everything that they had to give. They gave their very lives to defend our freedom. And we're so thankful. And as a nation, God, we say thank you. And we pray for our nation. Father, we pray that a spirit of repentance would come upon our nation. We pray, God, that our, our, our literally, that our our nation would experience a renewal in Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that there would be great things that would happen in our nation, that we would begin to move toward you as a nation. And Father, I thank you today that Jesus is still rescuing people today. He's rescuing us from our sin. He's rescuing us from our lostness. He's bringing us back out of the miry clay. He's cleaning us up. He's setting our feet on the rock. This morning, I just pray, Father, for the one that has been searching. 
the one that has been looking, that they desire freedom, true freedom, that today they will understand that that can only come from the person of Jesus Christ. And whether we live in America or the most oppressive country on the face of the earth, true freedom only comes through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you today. And Lord, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.